Today's shir begins at the Mishnah that you'll find 12 lines from the top of Daf Mem Dalid. Before we go into the Mishnah itself, we glance at the side where we see a Nose slash Mivne heading. The Nose is the topic, Mivne structural note, the trapezoid or volcano looking shape. You will see in the Mishnah, one of our series markings, Chumros Shiesh Bechol Echod Midine Nozir. Stringencies that are unique to each one of the three primary Nozir laws or Nozir restrictions. The three are Tumah, the prohibition to defile to the dead, the prohibition of Giluach of a haircut, and the prohibition of vine products, example, wine, etc. The Mishnah. Shlosha minim asur benozir. There are three categories of prohibition in Nazirus. Hatumo v'hatiglachas. Tumo, defilement. Tiglachas, the haircut prohibition. Vayoytsim in agefen, that which is produced from grapevines. Chomer betumo u'betiglachas mi biyoytsim in agefen. There are stringencies that are unique to Tumo and Tiglachas more so than the vine prohibition. Shahatumo Vatiglachas Soisrin, if a Nozir defiles himself to the dead or he takes a haircut in the middle of his Nazirus, Soisrin, it undoes the days that he has counted. It undoes his Nazirus by Yoitzi Minagefen Eno Sosir. But if he drinks wine in the course of his Nazirus or eats grapes, etc., that does not undo his Nazirus. There is a sin in doing such, but it doesn't erase the days that he counted. Chomer Biyotzi Minagefen, the stringency you find by the vine products. Mi betuma u more so than defilement and haircuts. Shayotzin agefen luhuter michlolo. We find no permission, no allowance for a nazir under any circumstances to consume grape products. Vetuma vetiglachas hutru michlolon. When it comes to defilement and haircut prohibition, we find that during the nazirus. There is an allowance for these prohibitions. And what are the examples? So, regarding haircuts, betiglachas mitzvah, that would be a situation where a nazir, during his nazirs, became a mitzorah. He became defiled by tzoras. Uh, tzoras is a uh, skin discoloration accounted for by the chumash, by the Torah, and at the conclusion of that defilement period, the Tsaras period, a haircut is mandated. That haircut is to be taken even though he is in the midst of Nazirus. Uvameis mitzvah, this has to do with the prohibition against defiling to the dead. If a Nazir is walking along the way in a very secluded area and he, and he uh, chances upon a body that is lying dead in the open, he, the Nazir, uh, is required to bury and hence defile himself to that body. The Chomer Betuma Mi Betiglachas, a stringency in defilement over haircuts. Shatuma Soseris Asakol Vachayevamalel Korbon, if a Nazir defiles himself to the dead, so whatever 
amount of days that he has counted toward his Nazirus, he loses all of them. Even in the case of a lengthy Nazirus period, more than 30 days, if he defiles himself in the midst of that Nazirus, he loses all of the days. And he also has to bring a, a set of sacrifices uh, to re- in order to resume the counting of the Nazirus in a pure state. The Tiglachas, however, a Nazir in the midst of which he takes a haircut, in the midst of his Nazirus, so Enos serves Eloshloshim, it erases but only up till 30 days. And in other words, he loses 30 days of Nazirus counting, uh, and no more than that. The Ein Chayoven Olah Korban. And when he finally does resume his Nazirus counting, so he doesn't have to bring a sacrifice for having violated the haircut prohibition. The Gemara from here till the end of the Omid assumes, let's say, one pattern of thinking. And you can see diamonds appear, one of our uh, series markings, along with the appearance of a double underline and some dashed underlining. What is the point of all of this? So we look once again on the side under the Nosei slash Mivne heading. A diamond is featured, and we've written Hatsaos. Suggestions. The Gemara does this from time to time. It offers suggestions that it really intends uh, to refute. However, the method of refutation, the source of refutation, is really of what's primary interest to us. Nevertheless, suggestions are put forward that are actually against that which is stated in the Mishnah. And they are benuyos mi kalvachomer. They're ba- they're constructed through kalvachomer logic, and we've used a uh, dash underlining each time the kalvachomer appears is introduced. And these are benuyos mi kalvachomer midinim acherim, based on other laws. So using other laws, we construct the kalvachomer. The Al HaGemara Lidchois Oisam. And it's the Gemara's job to refute the logic. Rov HaDachiyos Yual Pi Psukim. Most of the refutations will be based on the Gemara's citation of Psukim to contradict the Kav uh, Homer logic. In other words, to serve as a, a source of refutation. In other words, the logic might seem quite tight. But in the face of a posuk, we will have to yield our logic in favor of what the posuk teaches. So this scheme will be quite repetitive as we go down the omit. The double underlining we we mentioned in our introduction under the lidchos means it's at, at each point that the Gemara refutes the suggestion, the double underline will appear. So you have a uh, the diamond uh, introduces the suggestion. The dashed underline introduces the Kalvachomer logic. And the double underline, finally, the refutation. And now the Gemara. Vituma lo tutar bichlala. When it comes to tuma, we should not allow any compromise on defilement. Kalvachomer miyayin. Now, in the Mishnah, we suggested that the prohibition of Tumor could be compromised in the case of, uh, of a me- a me- chancing upon a, an unaccounted for, an unburied body. Well, let us say to the contrary, that it should not load too tired from the word heter, should not be allowed from Michlola, from its 
category of prohibition. We should not allow. Kavachomer miyayin, using Kavachomer logic based on the wine halacha. Mind you, wine, which has this leniency to it, that it doesn't result in um, erasure, in losing uh, Nazirus days, even if one did drink the wine. So it has that element of leniency. It's eno soser, yet lo hutor michalo. We find no allowance for drinking of wine for the Nazir. Tuma shesoseris. Tuma has a stringency already built into it that it does cause loss of days. Einodin shelo tutar michlola. Then all the more so, it should not have any compromise on the prohibition. Talmud Lomar, the pasuk says otherwise. Laoviv uliimo lo yitamo. The pasuk mentions al kol nafshei smeis lo yavo. It, told, it tells us that the Nazir is not allowed to defile himself, and then it mentions, uh, itemizes a father, mother, and it goes on and with other relatives even, why the necessity to itemize when the Pusik already gave a general prohibition. All dead bodies are prohibited for him to defile, too. So the fact that the Pusik itemizes we have the right to infer as follows to father or mother who die the Nazir is not allowed to defile himself but he is allowed to defile himself to, for the sake of burying uh, the lone body new suggestion we should Make an allowance for a nazir who, let us say, had had sworn to drink wine, and then he took the nazirus pledge. So we should say, well, someone like that, even though the nazirus is a prohibition, represents a prohibition of wine, but nevertheless he did have an oath to drink wine. So let us allow him to compromise his Nazirus for the sake of fulfilling his oath. And why should we allow that? Kavachomer mituma, using Kavachomer logic from the realm of defilement. Ma tuma shi soseres, mind you, tuma, which has this aspect of stringency, that it is soser, yet hutar michlala, we find by the Mace Mitzvah an, uh, an allowance, an exception to the rule of prohibition. Yayin Sheino, so Sir Yayin wine, which is even more lenient in so far as it doesn't so ser, Din, all the more so we should yield and make an allowance for him to drink in the case of a Nazir who had sworn to drink wine. And yet we don't allow him, even had he sworn to drink wine. The Pesach says, yazir. And from this phrase, from this Pesach, we learn, The Torah mandates, instructs, demands of a Nazar to refrain from wine, even if it's mitzvah, commandment-oriented wine, no different than he must refrain from optional wine. New suggestion. Upon drinking wine, let us say that the Nazir loses all the days that he counted up till that point. 
using Kalvachomer from Tuma. Ma Tuma Shehutra Michlala Soseres Hakol, Tuma which has a an aspect of leniency in that we allow its compromise in the case of the Mace Mitzvah. And yet, if a Nazir becomes Tomei, he loses all the days that he counted. Yayin Shalohuter Michlalo, Yayin, wine which we saw, there is no leniency, no compromise on its prohibition. Lo Kol all the more so, it should erase the days that he counted if he had, uh, of course, drunk wine during his Naziris. Omar Kral, Pasek says no. Vayomim orishoni yiplu ki tomei nizro. And from this we learn. Tumal soseres vein hayayin soser. Defilement causes the loss of days, not wine. Vatiglachas tistores hakol mikalvachomer mitula. A new suggestion. We mentioned in the Mishnah that haircut in the middle of nizirus causes a loss of, of 30 days. Uh, to allow the hair to grow back. You need 30 days of hair growth, but that's it. He doesn't lose any more than 30 days in the case of a haircut in the midst of Nazirus. The suggestion here is that a haircut in the midst of Nazirus should cause him to lose all the days that he counted. If if he had taken an an oath of a 100-day Nazirus and on day 90 he took a haircut, he should have to count Another 90 makeup days in addition to the 10 days that he still has in balance. And yet we don't say that. But according to Kalvachomer logic, we should say that the haircut should result in Tistores HaKol Kalvachomer Mituma. Uma Tuma Shelo Osu Bo Metame Kimitame. So Yisaris HaKol. In the realm of defilement, you find an area of leniency. And that is a Nazir himself who becomes defiled so he is let's say he is guilty he is in violation of his Nazirus but if someone let us say uh, threw uh, a piece of uh, corpse meat corpse flesh on a Nazir he is not considered in violation of a negative command it's not a nice thing to do but it's not classified as a, let's say, a formal sin. So in the realm of Tumo, you find an element of leniency in contrast to the haircut, which we'll see in a minute, and that is that the, we'll say, the perpetrator is not considered guilty as is the one who has become defiled. Teglachas galeach A person who cuts the hair of a nausea. He too is in violation of a negative command. With the here the perpetrator is just as guilty as the subject of the haircut. So Aino Din Shitistoresakol, that by all means and all the more so the Tiglachas, if a nausea takes a cut in the midst of his Naziris, he should lose all of the days that he has counted. And yet we do not say thusly. The Pasik says, Vayomim Orishonim Yiplu Kitomei Nizro. Tuma Soserasakol, the Ain Tiglacha Soserasakol. From the Pasik we learn that only Tuma causes loss of all the days that he's counted, but haircuts do not cause the loss of all of the days. It causes, as we said, the loss of thirty days. The Tuma Nasebo Metamekimitame. In the realm of defilement, contrary to what we said before, let us say that the perpetrator of 
defilement should be guilty just like the Nazir who allowed himself to become defiled. Tiglachas has the leniency of that only 30 days are lost. And yet, the one who administers the haircut is just as guilty as the Nozir who, who allows himself to receive the haircut. Tuma, which undoes all of the days that he's counted. All the more so, the perpetrator of the Tuma should be just as guilty as the Nozir who became defiled. Omar Kro Vitime Roish Nizroi. And from this post we learn Lamitame Rosh Nizro. The Tuma is a problem, is a source of guilt only for the Nazir himself that allowed his Nazirus to become defiled, not the perpetrator, not someone who may have thrown uh, some corpse flesh on the Nazir. When it comes to the haircut issue, let us not hold guilty the perpetrator as we do the Nazir who received the haircut. Mind you, Tuma, which has this stringency of losing all of the days, and yet, we do not view the perpetrator as the Nazir himself who became defiled. Tiglachas, which is even more lenient in the sense that he loses only 30 days, all the more so, we should not hold guilty the perpetrator of the haircut as the Nazir who received it. Omar Kral, the Pusik says to the contrary though, Tarlo Yavor Al Rosho. That's the Pusik itself, and Kripe, we have a right by force of the oral law to read Lo Yavor, who Velo Yavir Le Acher. The word is not only a reflection of the subject of the haircut, but Velo Yavir Le Acher means not someone else either. In other words, the negative command of lo yavor is also lo yavir le'acher, which means at, as an outsider, someone else, a second party, shall not administer the haircut to the nazir either. He too is then included in the negative command. New suggestion, v'tiglachas lo tutar michlolo kavachomer miayin. The haircut should not be Allowed, we said that there was an exception in the case of the nazir who experienced tsaras, and uh, upon the conclusion of the tsaras, he takes a haircut. Well, we shouldn't allow that. Yayin, which does not cause any loss, yet there's no exception made for it. Haircuts which do cause time loss. Certainly, then, we should not allow it. Omar Rahmana. The Pesach says, in the case of Mitzorah, there are what appear to be extra words. Rosho, the Omar Rahmana Zikana. These are words that we focused on in our recent Shiurim, demonstrating how they show that a 
Nazir that became a Mitzora is expected, is, is commanded to take his haircut at the conclusion of the Tzaras, even though the individual is in the midst of a Nazirus period. Let us say that haircuts should not be responsible for any loss of time. Kavachomer from the issue of wine. Wine for which there is no exception made, yet it doesn't cause any loss. Haircuts which we find compromise on its prohibition in the case of Mitzorah. Then all the more so it shouldn't result in any loss. The Gemara responds and says, as much as it uh, as, as convincing as this argument sounds that there should be no loss, yet Boino Gidul Vahaleka. And Nazir, upon conclusion of Nazirus, part of the requirements are that the Nazir cuts his hair. And if you're gonna say that the haircut isn't gonna the haircut that he took in the middle of Nazirus doesn't result in any loss of time, well when he comes to the conclusion of his Nazirus, he doesn't have thirty days of hair growth on his head. So, in order to um, ensure that there's 30 days of hair growth on his head, he has to wait 30 days before he can conclude the Nazirus and resume the uh, drinking of wine. And that's, once again, just to, in order to achieve the necessary minimum 30 days of hair growth uh, at the end of his Nazirus. Viyayin Wine drinking should be the cause of 30 days of loss using Kavachomer logic from the issue of haircuts. Haircuts, which we have found a leniency in the case of the Mitzorah, and yet it causes a loss the drinking of wine, which we find no exception for it, certainly it should be the cause of loss of time. So from this logic, from the area of haircut, which is viewed as an area of leniency relative to the wine, and yet the haircut causes loss of time, so the yayin issue certainly should cause a loss. The Gemara says, not so. And here, we're not, gonna, we're not refuting this with a pasuk, but with logic. The issue of the haircut causing loss of time. The whole reason for that loss of time is to ensure that at the end of the Nazirus, he has 30 days of hair growth on his head. Gabiyayin, regarding a Nazir that drank wine in the midst of his Nazirus, the hair is still in place, so there's no need for any delay in the conclusion of his Naziris in order to uh, ensure 30 days of hair growth, because it's there. It wasn't tampered with by his drinking of the wine. We continue at the top of Omid base. You notice a new Mishnah. A marking appears around the two opening words, Tiglachas Tumah. The Mivne uh, structural note indicates that we are using this marking to highlight the beginning of this Mishnah and the next Mishnah on the Mem Hey Omen Aleph 
though it will most likely be uh, part of our next year, Emir Tzashem. Nevertheless, it enables you to see a, a contrast between these two Mishnayas, Tiglachas Tumah versus Tiglachas Tatara. Tiglachas Tumah naturally is a case of a Nazir who in the midst of his Naziris became defiled to the dead. He has a seven-day waiting period, at which point uh, he then takes a haircut which is referred to as Tiglachas Tumor, and then starts his Nazirus counting afresh. The Mishnah. Tiglachas Tumor, Ketzad Hoyo, Maze, Bishlishi, Bishvi. The Mishnah opens up with the uh, question of Tiglachas Tumor, Ketzad. How is this to be understood? So, Hoyo, Maze, Bishlishi, Bishvi. He. After uh, the st- after being defiled to the dead, there is the pora duma water ash mixture that's sprinkled on him on the third day and the seventh day of his week of purification following the defilement. Umigaleach bishvi on on the seventh day he takes the required haircut. Umevi korbanoisov bishmini and on the next day he brings the required sacrifices. They are an osham. A chatos and an ola. Vim gilach b'shmini, maybe korbanos of bol bayom divrei Rabbi Akiva. If he took his haircut not on the seventh day but on the eighth day, he nevertheless brings those sacrifices on that very day. Regarding this issue, you will see Rabbi Tarfan questioning. Omar le Rabbi Tarfan ma bein zeh limitzora. I heard from you, says Rabbi Tarfan to Rabbi Kiva, that a Mitzora, who, upon the conclusion of his Tzoras, he takes a haircut, and on the next day he brings sacrifices. A Mitzora that took his haircut instead of the seventh day of purification, if he took his haircut on the eighth day of purification, he brings sacrifices only on the next day, on day 9. But you, when it came to Nazir, you taught us that if he took the haircut on day 8, in day of, instead of day 7, he'll bring the Nazir Tuma sacrifices on the very same day, not wait a day later. Omar Lein, Sir Bikiva answers, Ze Taharoso Tluyo Biyomov, the Nazir his purification is totally dependent on days. Therefore, the Nazir who immersed himself on the seventh day, the immersion is the immersion in a mikveh, the end of the seven purification days, he brings his sacrifices on day eight, even if he happened to take his haircut on day eight. His purification is totally, say, day-oriented. And as such, the bringing of sacrifices will say, inevitably, is brought on the day after he has achieved his purification. So that the Nazir has a seven-day purification period. We mentioned there's the sprinkling of the red heifer ash water mixture on the third and seventh days. Then on the seventh day, immersion in the mikvah, followed by sundown. He's completed his, we'll say, his Tara requirements. Next day, bring the sacrifices. That's what we've said as far as nausea. Umitzorah, the Mishnah says, Rabbi Kiva says, Tarosot liobit tiglochoso. 
The Mitzorah achieves purification from his Tzoras not only by waiting a, the requisite number of days, the, we said seven days, but he also needs the haircut to achieve purification. Therefore, if the haircut wasn't done on the seventh day, it was done on the eighth day, so the form of Mitzorah following the haircut needs to have sundown. We didn't mention it too explicitly before, but following whatever, let's say, um, elements of purification are, that are necessary, they're always followed by sundown. Sundown is the, the, the concluding of any purification period. You can have sundown for a one-day tumma period, one sundown for a seven-day tumma period, and for Tsaras, it's sundown that follows the haircut. So if he took a haircut on the eighth day, he's not considered pure until he experiences sundown of that eighth day. And he's therefore not ready to bring the sacrifices until he's completed all of the Tahara requirements, including the setting of the sun following the haircut. If that's the case, if he delayed the haircut until day 8, and that's an integral part of his purification, he needs to have a sundown, thereby delaying the bringing of sacrifices till the next day, day 9. And that's what the Mishnah concludes by saying. He can't bring sacrifices unless he's experienced sundown from the day before. So, we saw Rabbi Akiva making a Nazir Mitzorah distinction specifically in the example of haircut on day 8. Rabbi Tarfan, uh, from the fact that he asked the question, didn't seem that he was so sure of it. Now the Gemara asks, Kibla Mineolo, did Rabbi Tarfan accept Rabbi Akiva's distinction or not? Toshma de Toni Hillel. Hillel teaches the following Tanaic source. Regarding a nozir, it says Gilach Bishmini, maybe Korbanosov Bichi. If a nozir took a haircut on the eighth day, he brings his sacrifices. Again, this is the nozir that had been defiled, waited his purification period, and instead of taking the haircut on the seventh day, he took it on the eighth day. When does he bring his sacrifices according to this source? Bichi. What did Rabbi Akiva say about a nozir who takes his haircut on the eighth day? Rabbi Akiva had said he takes his haircut bo bayom. This source doesn't say that. This source says he takes it on the ninth day. In other words, the next day after the haircut. That's when he brings his sacrifices. If you were to think that Rabbi Tarfan accepted Rabbi Akiva's logic then this source should have taught the bringing of the sacrifices on day 8. So, from here it would seem then that Rabbi Tarfan did not accept Rabbi Akiva's response. Omar Rava, Rava disagrees and says that in fact Rabbi Tarfan did accept the logic. The question is then why, what about this source? Why is the Nazir who took the haircut on day 8 waiting a day to bring the sacrifices? So Rabbi Rova says, Lo kashya, there's no problem here. If the Nazir who took his haircut on day 8 had 
immersed himself in the mikveh on day seven. And the haircut was not an integral part of achieving purification. So what was necessary for him? If he had uh, immersed himself on the mikveh on day seven, then that was followed by sundown. Finished, he can then take his haircut on day eight and bring the sacrifices on day eight. However, if he didn't immerse on day seven in the mikveh, rather he immersed on day eight, the mikveh, as is always the case, needs to be followed by a sundown. So if he immersed himself in the mikveh on day eight, he's not ready to bring the sacrifices until day nine, because the day eight mikveh immersion demands a sundown before he can be considered ready for bringing sacrifices. Hence, in that case, he brings the sacrifices on day 9, and that's the source that Hillel taught. Before continuing in the Gemara text, and after having emphasized the significance of sundown in the realm of achieving purification, we're going to go into another realm of Tumah, focusing on what's called Tumas Zav. Zav, for our purposes, is a type of emission coming forth from a man, from a male. If he has the emission on two consecutive days, or two on the same day, he becomes a Zav that's required to observe seven clean days. The conclusion of the seven, seven days, on the seventh day he immerses in mikveh, and after sundown, he is considered uh, having achieved purification. There's a situation called a Zav Godol, where he had three sightings, three consecutive days, or three on the same day, and he has, in addition to the seven days of purification, on the eighth day, after having immersed on the seventh day in the mikveh and sundown, he brings sacrifices. On the side of our Gemara, we have a nosei slash mivne heading. A diamond appears. They, it highlights Chavrei de Rabnosan, its full name Rabnosan Barahoshaya in our Gemara, and Abaye. So if you look in the Gemara, you can see the Asvin Vukamran, that's the the first opinion presented, uh, namely the uh, the friends of Reb and then the four lines from the bottom, you see another diamond, Amin Alohano, that's Abaye's response to them. What is their issue? Im yesh lomar detvuyoyim shelzav dino kezav. Ha'in muturo likones lemachne leviyah. Great deal of background is really necessary to fully appreciate this discussion, but this is the nature of the Shas. You encounter uh, topics that from time to time are brought in by the way, which demand previous knowledge from other sources. So, just a couple more words of the, concerning the Zav and the realm of Tuma in general. There are three camps referred to in halachic literature which originated in the uh, Jewish sojourn in the Midbar and manifest themselves later on in Eretz Yisrael, specifically Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash. 
The three camps are called Machni Yisrael, and if we use Jerusalem as our focal point, that would include the area within the walls of the city of Jerusalem, Machne Yisrael, up till the walls that enclose the Temple Mount, the Harabayas. From the walls that enclose the Temple Mount till the Temple Courtyard, till the Azora of the Beis Amidosh, that area is called Machne Levia. And from the Azora walls inward, you have what's called Machne Shechina. Different types of Tumah demand the restriction from various areas. Naturally, the more <coughs> intense the uh, defilement is, the greater the restriction will be. How we establish intensity and seriousness of defilement, that's a little bit beyond the purview of our shear, but we can use as a certain like rule of thumb that when you're dealing with tumos that emanate bot- uh, from one's body, as opposed to contact-oriented tumas, you'll find what's called in Hebrew called tumas hayotzimigufo, and included in that is the uh, the the zav and the zava and the nida and the mitzora. For our purposes, the zav represents that kind of tumah, tumah hayotzimigufo. Uh, another, the other kind of tumah, which is not based on bodily emission, but rather contact or presence. That has to do with things even as uh, as severe as Tumas Mace is concerned, yet it's not called Tumah Yotzimigufa. I say as serious as Tumas Mace because Tumas Mace, defilement to the dead, does incur a seven-day purification period, but there's no bringing of sacrifices upon its conclusion, and you'll find the issue of distancing also more lenient when it comes to Tumas Mace than with regard to Tumas Zav. So your basic Zav uh, is prohibited from entering Machne Levia, the Levite camp, which in Jerusalem terms was defined as the area enclosed or referred to as the Temple Mount area up till the Temple Courtyard. What we are going to investigate here is a Zav who upon waiting seven purification days immersed in the mikveh he's called a Tvul Yom but he did not experience sundown he didn't experience Herav Shemesh yet he's called a Tvul Yom of a Zav the immersion in the mikveh at the end of a Tumah period even though sundown hasn't been experienced can be viewed in certain areas of law as an area of leniency or of, let's say, declining uh, intensity. With regard to what do we say that, well, that's part of our discussion. So we continue in the note that we have on the side, Lefi Pirush HaRosh. According to the Rosh's approach to this Gemara, there's quite a bit of commentary work to be done in learning this Gemara, but we'll follow the Rosh's approach. Yotzei, it comes out, Shehem Cholkim, the machlokis between uh, the Chavrit of Nosson and Abaye, it's like it boils down to Bezav Baal Shterius, 
a Zav who had two sightings, if after he immersed on the seventh day of his seven purification days, before sundown of that seventh day, is he allowed onto the Temple Mount? According to the Chavri de the Tvul Yom of Azav, once again, it's the immersion in the mikvah on the seventh day prior to sundown. Tvul Yom of Azav is like Azav. Just like Azav prior to his completing the seven days is prohibited on the Temple Mount, he's prohibited from Machne Leviyah. The Tvulyom of Azav is likewise, according to the Chavid Rabnosan, prohibited on the Temple Mount. Abaye, though, sees uh, room for leniency with regard to the Tvulyom of Azav. He will be allowed on the Temple Mount. Now, the Gemara. Omar Abaye. Ashkartinu lechavre Rabnosan Barashiyah, the Yasvin Vukarman. I met up with the colleagues of Reb they were seated and they were saying, uh, citing a posuk from the topic of a Zav. Uvo lifnei Hashem el Pesach el Moed v'nosnom el Hakayin. The reference is to a Zav, who, as we mentioned before, he, if he had three sightings, has to bring sacrifices. The Zav who had three sightings has, in addition to the seven purification days, on the eighth day he brings sacrifices. That's what the context of this Posuk is. Amosai Huba, the Posuk says, and he comes to Lefne Hashem. When does he come? Bizman Shu Toval Vi'osahar of Shemesh. In. Provided he immersed himself in the mikveh. And experienced sundown. So let's assume that he immersed himself on the seventh day. Then there was sundown. And then he can do what the Pasuk says, Ba'alifnei Hashem. Now, we didn't mention before, but let's emphasize. This Ba'alifnei Hashem means he comes to the eastern gate of the Beis HaMikdash. That eastern gate is known as Shar Nikonor. And... Its halachic status is machne levia. So the Pesach tells us that the Zav can approach machne levia only if he immersed in the mikveh and had Herav Shemesh of the seventh day. However, lo tovav also Herav Shemesh, lo. However, if he did not, in addition to immersing, experience the sundown of the seventh day, if he had only the mikveh of the seventh day, and he's called a tvul yom, he cannot enter the machne leviyah. Alma Kosovar, the result of this is, tvul yom shelzav, kezav domi. The tvul yom of azav, once again, these might be new concepts for many of you, so we're being a little bit repetitive today, the Tulyom of the Zav, he had experienced his seven purification days, and on that seventh day he immersed in the mikveh but did not have sundown. He is like an Azav. It's like he didn't do anything as far as his Ziva uh, defilement is concerned, and he is not allowed in the Machna Levia.
we can point out that this phenomenon is in contrast to the rules that we would apply to a tvulyom of a tomei mace. And we'll see even later, we'll see later maybe concerning the uh, a mace himself. But this is a, um, a, a stringency that will apply to the tvulyom of a zav more so than to a tvulyom of a tomei mace. Whereas by a tvulyom of a tomei mace will allow him in the machne levio. Not so with the Tfulyom of Azav. That is the approach of the Chavreder of Nosen. Amin Abaye now say, moves into the discussion and says, And I said to them, Elomeato, using your logic and your understanding of Psukim, Gabi Nozir Tomei Nami. A Nazir Tomei is a Nazir who became defiled to the dead. Dichtiv, it says regarding the Nazir Tomei, Yavishtei Soyrim El Hakoyen El Pesach You see again a reference to Pesach and we'll make the assumption, of course, that this is also a reference to the Machna Leviyah, Eimosai Hu Ba. According to your reasoning, when would the Nazir Tomei be allowed to the Machna Leviya? Bizman Shemesh. And not before that, only if he, in addition to his immersion on the seventh day, also experienced sundown. But prior to that, if he was just uh, a Tvul Yom, Tvul Yom of Tumas Mace would not be allowed. Yeah, but that's very difficult. Michti. Share Nikonor Hecho Kaimen, the Nikonor Gate. Where is it situated? In addition to the fact it's on the eastern gate of the of the Beis Hamikdash, it's Bishare Levia. It's located in the Machne Levia, a place that a Zav is prohibited. But we know that a Tvuyom is allowed. Uh, tfu yom, certainly Tvuyom of a mace is allowed. Vehatanya, Tomei mace, Mutter likones b'machne levia. Someone who was defiled to the dead is allowed in machne levia. Velo Tomei mace bilvan elafilu mace atzmo. Even a corpse itself is allowed in the machne levia. Shinemar vayikach Moishas atzmois Yosef imo. It describes Moshe Rabbeinu in the Midbar. Moshe Rabbeinu was, of course, a Levi. And it says that he took personal charge over the remains of Yosef, who had died in Mitzrayim. My emo, what does the word emo mean? Emo b'mechitzosu, emo b'machna levia. Emo in his precinct, which was the uh, Levite um, camp, the sanctuary of the Levite area. So, Abaye is questioning the uh, approach taken by the Chavrei de Reb According to their approach, it would result in, a, in, a, in something that's not true. It would result in our concluding that a Tfuyom of a Tumas Mace would not be allowed in the Machne Levia, and that's simply not true. Elo Tfuyom Shel Zav and here we're following the Girsa that you find, the version of the, you find in the Tesis and the Rosh, it's a major difference. Tuyom Shazav Lav Kezav Domi. 
the Tfulyom of Elzav, who experienced two sightings originally, seven purification days were observed. He immersed himself on that seventh day. Prior to sundown, he's called the Tfulyom of Elzav, is not like Azav. The Zav is prohibited from the Machne Levia, but the Tfulyom of Azav is allowed in Machne Levia. If, however, we are describing a Zav that had three sightings, that type of Zav requires sacrifices as well. So if we're talking about a Zav that immersed in his, he had three sightings, immersed in the mikveh and had sundown, we would not allow him to enter the Machna Leviyo. V'i b'machna Leviyo koi amai ko kori le'oyel moyed the Pusuk that we saw which opened this discussion uh, regarding the Zav Baal Gimel Rias. It said, if you want to look back on uh, Memdal Omid Beis, we saw Uvo Lifnei Hashem El Pesach El Moye Vinostam El We mentioned that he was standing in the Shar Nikonor, which had the status of Machna Levia. If he is in, in fact in the Machna Levia, why does the Posuk use the term Oil Moyed? Oil Moyed is the enclosed part of the base Hamikdash. In the Midbar, in the sojourn in the, in the desert, there was a, a portable enclosed area that we call the Mishkan. It had a, an, a, an exposed courtyard. But that is, oil moyed is a term that's unique to Machne Shechina. So the Gemara says if the Posuk is referring to the Zav standing in the Machna Levia. Why does the term Oil Moed appear? Oil Moed is characteristic of the Machne Shechina. Lemeimra, it is teaching us the following. Ma Hosam Kapora Lo Ayel. Just like with regard to the Oil Moed, someone who has a Korban requirement as a result of Tumor. And we, there are a number of those. A case of a Yoledes, the Mitzorah, Zabal Shalosh Rios. These are people that are called Mechusur Kapora. The word Kapora is a reference to the sacrifice. They're lacking the bringing of the sacrifice. As long as they have not brought their sacrifice, they're not allowed in the Oil Moye. They're not allowed in Machna so let's read that phrase again. Mahosa Mukhusu Kaporo Lo Ayo Af Lemachnilvio Nami Mukhusur Kaporo Lo Ayo. So too with regard to the Zav Bal Sholosh Rios, I will concede that in that case, even though he's a Tvulyom, even though he had the hair of Shemesh, he's not allowed in Machnilvio. 
This is where Abaye concedes to the Chavridur of Nasan, this kind of of a Zav Tfulyam would not be allowed in the Machna Leviyah, because he was a Zav of three sightings. The Hosam Minalon, from where do we know, in the, with regard to the Machna Shechina, that a Mechusar Kapora is not allowed? Desanya, we have a source that features a Posuk that deals with Tumas Mace, and I want to emphasize Tumas Mace in and of itself does not necessitate the bringing of sacrifices. You wouldn't describe a Tomei Mace as a Mechusar Kapora. But the Posuk says, uh, here the Posuk is, is uh, explained in fragments. The Posuk says, So the Posuk says as follows, that as far as the prohibition concerning Machne Shechina, the Beis Hamikdash itself, the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash, there a Tomei Mace is not allowed, and the Posik includes a Tvul Yom is not allowed there, and even a Mechusik Yipurim is not allowed there. So, the relevance of this particular drosha is regarding the end of the source, the Rabbis Mechusar Kapora, a Zav who had three sightings, uh, Mitzorah, Yoledes, these are people that had Tuma Yitzimigufon, they're not allowed in the Machne Shechina. So, we explained the fact that the term Oyol Moyed appears with regard to the Mechusar Kapora, we learn that a Zav, Mechusar Kapora, is not allowed even in the Machna Leviya. But a Zav Baal Shterios, says Abaye, who is not a Mechusar Kapora, he doesn't have a Korban requirement, he would be allowed in the Machna Leviya. Of course, in um, contrast to the opinion of the Chavadur of Nosson, that prohibited the Zav Balshterius even in the Machna Levia. We mentioned just again the explanation we gave to the Sugya. Of course, our hope is that we were faithful to the Rosh's commentary throughout. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.